This is Yawa Radio. One welcome to the Yawa Radio podcast. The Yawa Radio podcast is an opportunity again to listen to one of our inspirational, thought-provoking interviews that we have brought to the listeners of Yawa Radio. Yawa Radio is online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are your well-being and happiness radio station, bringing the feel-good feeling to every single day of the week. Check us out at yawaradio.co.uk. Now sit back and enjoy this podcast from the Yawa Radio team. Welcome to Jordan Space. Every fortnight, you can join me, your host, Steve Phillip, alongside Danielle and Paul from the Jordan Legacy team, together with some very special guests for an hour of conversation, music, and above all, hope. Welcome to Jordan Space. This show does discuss themes of suicide, and we'd encourage you to take care of yourself by stepping away from the show at any point, should you find the content triggering or uncomfortable to listen to. For support, please visit our website, thejordanlegacy.com, and our help menu options. Welcome to show 15 of Jordan Space. Danny, Paul, we've uh, got a lot to get through in today's show, so we're going to kind of dispense with our usual introductory conversation and get straight into this week's show. Our guest this week describes himself as a regular guy born different. In 2022, he shared his story on LinkedIn which has since been viewed by more than six and a half million people. This is a story about living your life authentically and above all, with hope. We'd like to welcome to this week's Jordan Space, George Evans. George, welcome. It's uh, great to have you join us. Thank you, Steve. That was was probably the best intro I've ever had. It sounded like a a film. (laughs) I feel like we should have had some music to build that up as (laughs) well. We just had another great track from you a moment ago, uh, of course. Uh, George, you and I met when we were both uh, speaking last September at a discussion event hosted by Burson, Cone, Wolf, and uh, uh, they're part of the multinational WPP group. Yes. That event, of course, was to mark World Suicide Prevention Day, which had happened just a few days before. And I have to say, when I heard your story, I, I found it hugely inspirational. And, and perhaps before we get into any specific questions, why don't you share with our listeners how at quite an early stage you, you began to recognise that you were different? Yeah, so um, from what I've heard from other trans people is that people typically assume that when you're trans, you knew from the moment you were born, you know, as a, as like a two, three-year-old. you, And um, I think that's sort of one of those things where that didn't happen for me. I was you know, 90, 18, 19 when I really began questioning things. Um, and, you know, it was, it was very, it was just hard to sort of get your head around. You know, imagine if you're you know listening to the show now and you just you you literally just have a moment where you you realize you don't feel comfortable in your own body and it's it's a big thing to sort of get your head wrapped around um no matter who you are so yeah when I was 19 um I was you know in a relationship with a girl and I remember we were walking downtown Bristol holding hands and there was a couple in front of me and it was a straight cis couple and the People who don't know what cis is, I'll just quickly say it. Cis is short for cisgender, which is basically if you were born male and you still identify as male, you are considered cisgender, cis for short. Um, so it's basically cis and trans, you know. 
I, th- I think language is going to be really important to, to, to yeah, yeah, pe- yeah. people of a certain generation <laughs> yeah. probably need a bit of educating. Oh, no, they, my parents have, yeah, they've learned so much <laughs> the past few years. Um, yeah, so basically, you know, I saw this cis couple, boy, girl, and holding hands, and, you know, and I was in the girlfriend at the time, and I back then identified as female. I still look very female presenting, blah, blah. And, um, I just remember seeing this couple in front of us and I, it made me feel really upset and jealous. And I, I couldn't understand why, because I, I'm in a relationship holding my partner's hand. So what's the problem here? Um, and it was one of those things where I just remember getting on the train and I, I started crying to her and going back to her house. And I couldn't, I couldn't get my, my feelings or my thoughts out. It was really just, an inter- it was at the point, a very internal struggle where I, I was trying to figure out the, the sort of math equation in my head like what what does this mean two and two is not six or you know um so it was very confusing and um it took a long time to sort of get my head wrapped around it I began you know this was we're talking I'm 29 almost 30 now so it was pretty much 10 11 years ago um and I remember I started going on YouTube um and you know as everyone does especially back then, uh, trying to look for answers. And I came across a few people with videos titled Coming Out Stories. And back then on YouTube, that was a big thing. So I thought maybe I'll connect with one person's story. And to no avail, I did not connect to any story whatsoever. Uh, No women that were gay or just talking about their stories, journeys. And I remember specifically clicking on a video of a, a man titled coming out and I thought well maybe I'll connect with a gay man who knows at this point I just need to connect with one person um because I felt so alone and just so helpless um and you know it's not like I could go to the doctor and say what's wrong with me because they didn't know either it was it, I had to figure it myself out so, so I take it at that time you you'd been had you been to see doctors and had conversations no no, no I, I was I was still at this point I was still very much just on my own, I did not tell anybody. I was just on my own. It was all in my head, basically, just on my own. To give a quick backstory, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 13 anyway, before all this happened. So we're talking, you know, six years prior, um, I'd already gone, you know, through my teenage life with mental health, you know, f- from the start, basically. It, it was really confusing because I thought, is this to do with my depression? Is this what's going on? It, it was one of those things where I just didn't understand what was happening. Is it because I'm a teenager and I'm just so clueless about life? I don't know. Um, but I remember watching this uh, game, what I thought was a gay man coming out on YouTube. Um, and obviously the, the term coming out is silly, but let's go with it. That's what it was. I click on the video and he's talking about his life and turns out he wasn't a gay man. It turns out he is a trans man. So he was born female and now lives authentically male, lives his life like that. He, you know, he, he, appeared very masculine in a beard, deep voice. And I was thinking, what? I was mind blown. You know, at 19, I'd never seen this before. And um, it was just completely foreign to me. You know, I'm from North Wales, so I'm from a very rural area with sheep. I don't live near a city, so I don't see a lot of diverse people. It's very unique to me. So when I saw this video, I was it was really, you know, taken back by it. And I just began really delving into these types of videos of all these different trans men. And that's when something really did connect with me. And from then on, you know, that's kind of when I decided to discover about myself. Just as you're talking there, George, I'm thinking we we hear a lot these days about online harm. 
Um, we don't necessarily hear so much about online help, but mm. it sounds like YouTube was the place you turned to there. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one to me because, like, as a trans person, I don't understand what it's like to be a trans child going through those feelings. So I, I, would, I could never sit there and say that isn't dangerous to be going on YouTube at the age of six. And because I don't know how it's like to be six years old. Would I be influenced by someone who I think is really cool and be like, I want to be like them. I want to be trans. It's, it's so hard to, for me to back any sort of evidence up because I couldn't, I'm not experienced in that area. I can just go from, well, when I was 19, I can live, you know, I can tell you my experience as a 19 year old, but I think at the end of the day, if, if there's help there, if and there's any any resources out there, you know, if, if your child is struggling, no matter what age they are, I think it is important to explore that area that they are interested in going around. If, you know, if they are talking about, say, there's a three-year-old little boy who wants to be a little girl, you know, you, it's not something that you can just shut the door on. They're obviously expressing it for a reason. So if they do want to, you know, watch a video of a, a trans woman talking about her life, then you know, if that gives them some sort of hope at the end of the day, it's, it's, is it really harming anybody? I was just going to say, and this isn't necessarily something you can answer, George, but just, you know, if you hadn't watched those videos and things, you know, it sounds like that was like a, quite a turning point for you being able to watch those. So, you know, you wonder how things might have gone differently had you not had access to those or... Yeah, know. I mean, like I said, like, I, I do think it would have it genuinely would have pushed me back, I'd say, well, probably five, ten years all my past relationships were all from online. So I would travel down south very far, London, you know, Bristol, all those places, Essex. And I'd, I'd go to, I remember I went to London Pride for the first, that was my first ever Pride. And it was only like five years ago. And, you know, I'm 29 now. So when I was 24, and then again, I had started transitioning at this point, but again, I hadn't seen anybody in the flesh who was also trans, who was also LGBT anything at that point. Um, so when I went to that Pride event, that's when my mind was blown and I saw people who, you know, were like me, who who felt and identified like me. So going back to what you said, it would probably have been, you know, when I saw these people in the flash, I would have gone, oh, that's me. But, you know, because there's resources out there, thank God, it, it helped me, you know, really discover myself. It, it's really interesting, George. We, we know from our experience of the work we do in suicide prevention that when we look at the statistics around the country, there are certain demographics, geographical areas as well where there's a, a higher risk and a higher incidence of suicide and and many of those tend to be rural areas and it does bring into question whether uh, part of the reason for that is is kind of a sense of isolation there and, or lack of access to resource as well um oh 100 yeah 100%. yeah i mean when i you know i know i know you touched on one did i go to the doctors about it so that was a, a classic example of when i did do my research and right, decide right yeah this is definitely got to be what I'm going through I watch his videos I check off everything ticks off for me I feel the same way went to my GP as you do you know discussed with them right this is how I'm feeling can you help me and again rural area North Wales little little dental like doctor practice middle of nowhere didn't have a clue what to do with me just sort of sat me down and was like well we can send you to a psychologist or a counsellor, both. That's all we can do. You know, I'll, at that point, I'm thinking, right, okay, they sound, they they know their stuff, surely. Um, so I was, you know, given to the psychologist, the counsellors, and I'll never forget, you know, I was, the counsellor sat me down and he, he just said to me, I walked in and he said, look, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't help you with anything to do with your gender identity. I have no idea. 
Um, but I can help you with anxiety and depression, which you do have. But I know that's not what you're here for. Because at this point, I'd been on medication for six years. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of got grips with how depression, my depression worked, my anxiety, where I knew how to cope with it. Um, but this reason I came was obviously for my identity. And I wanted to talk to somebody about how I could get help going forward. Where do I go? Who do I speak to? I think he gave me sort of like a pamphlet or something for middle-aged trans women who met in my local area, meaning 40-minute drive away. And I thought, oh, that's not helpful at all. I'm not going to connect with a trans woman who's in her 60s, 70s. That's not going to be any help. I understand when you, you were 19, you actually went to see a, a psychiatrist, a female psychiatrist, yes. um, who, who asked you a really interesting uh, question about your um, attire, if I remember yes. right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, my first appointment with this, you know, psychiatrist who, you know, she was supposed to be sort of the top in the area. And I thought, okay, if anyone's going to give me some help, it's going to be this lady here. And the first thing she asked me, and this was, again, 10 years ago, so we can, this is how much the world has changed in just 10 years. She asked me, am I wearing girls' jeans? I just thought it was really weird. And I remember acting very shocked when she said it. And she thought my response was, um, like, not appropriate. And I was thinking, I don't understand this, this conversation. And she asked me, do I understand the difference between a someone who is transgender and someone who is a transvestite? And she was basically insinuating that maybe I'm a transvestite, which is somebody who just likes, who enjoys dressing up as the opposite genders, you know, whatever. Which I was just really, it was sort of just the whole thing back then was just, I felt like she was just insulting me continuously. Like she wasn't listening to how I actually felt as a person. Um and I remember asking her, have you actually spoken to a trans person before? Just out of interest. And she, she I think she said no. Um, or maybe she's spoken to, again, a middle-aged trans woman many moons ago. So, you know, that paints a picture of how little resources there are, even if it's someone who's in that profession. They just yeah. don't know what to do. I, I understand her recommendation was you should go away for a couple of years and, and yeah. kind of think about this. Um, yeah, come back, give me two years worth of proof and then I'll help you. And I thought, really? what? I mean, it, sounds, it sounds extraordinary on the one hand, but on the other hand, probably not surprising to lots of people based yeah. on the experiences they've had. But I just think that just going back and taking those pieces of the puzzle there, it is a mystery to me on, on one level, and that is that you'd earlier, much earlier, been diagnosed with depression. And then yeah. when you say there is other issues, which potentially are the causes of those symptoms, the, the, the medical professionals don't seem to pick up on that. Oh, no, 100%. I mean, looking back, I, I do. I know that depression does run on my mum's side of the family anyway. But I do think a massive part of maybe why it was sort of triggered so early in, you know, 13, because it's very early. Um, I do think it was because of my gender identity, you know, in my brain somewhere, I was obviously very uncomfortable and very upset with something. I just didn't know it yet. So I do think that's why. But I remember when I did end up getting the help and stuff with my gender identity, you know, hormones, whatever, the topic of depression would come up and said, it was kind of like a halt in the system where, well, you have depression. So we maybe we should just sort of keep testing you to see if you really are sane enough to be a trans person and go with this lifestyle. And I just, I remember thinking that's really, I'm more depressed now because I'm not getting the help. So, mm. you know, it, it was very, it was a vicious circle really. 
You made a decision, George, given all that's going on, right, I'm, I'm going to live my life as I want to live my life. And I know, you know, the following year, you, you started university, you made a, a clear decision, I understand that you were going to go to university as George, mm-hmm. um, and, and a clean slate. And tell us a little bit about how, how that journey went. I mean, it, to be fair, I look back at my uni- university journey, and I think it was quite comical. I mean, Again, I didn't know anybody that was trans. I didn't go to a university too far from home. I went to sort of like the biggest town near me, which is Wrexham, which is about 45 minutes drive away. It's near Chester, if you guys know where Chester is. So went to uni there and um, it was, um, I I hadn't started any hormones yet. So I, I, I literally did look like essentially a girl who just cut her hair, you know, or like, you know, the, the stereotypical lesbian woman with short hair and boys clothes. Or a little boy, you know, could have gone out of the way. People would interpret me as all sorts. I would have to explain, well, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. Just wait, give me a few years, you'll see, <laughs> because I'll have the beard and a deep voice. And none of them believed it. Uh, look, you you've de- you described some of this as, as comical, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure there were times where this has had a, a real impact. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, your 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 mental health. I know you've you've mentioned the term, you know, there were there were times when you you didn't want to live as you were. And I suppose the the question I've got to ask here is, was there a time where you reached a point where you thought, I, I don't want to live? This, this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. Hi, this is Steve. Join me every day of the week from seven through till ten for Yawa Breakfast right here on Yawa Radio. Probably the best way to start your day. Make a day. Join me every day. 7 till 10, Yawa Breakfast, right here on Yawa Radio. Welcome back, George. Just before the, the break, I was uh, asking you a, a question really about how all that you've experienced has affected your mental health and asked you the question whether there was ever a moment where you considered suicide as an option. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I do. I obviously did mention. Obviously, looking back at uni, it was comical. But yes, there were. That was probably the the darkest points of my life. Really, was going to uni because, you know, it. it I was struggling not only with my gender identity at the time. I was also struggling with, you know, imagine doing, you know, that you're struggling with your own brain, and then you're also trying to get a degree out of it and trying to, you know, be have a successful future planning your future that's what uni years isn't it you're planning your next step for your life and I couldn't even get to day two you know next day so I, I just remember you know I couldn't um live in uni I had to live at home because I was so I was very in my shell you know when I eventually did decide right I am going to live in I pushed myself to live in halls and uni in like my second year because I thought that would make me, it would do me good to stop being at home and being with with young people and just just trying to live on my own without relying on my parents. And you know, it, it was it was very dark because you know I would be in my room on my own and just thinking of all sorts and thinking it would it would be like you know my my lecturers as well and they're so supportive now. And one of my lecturers she used to um she'd always misgender me. She'd always say she to me or oh you're her there. I'll go and get her, come here, you know, and and it got to the point where I, I had to pull her aside and say, look, you keep doing it and it's really upsetting me. And I got to the point where I didn't want to go to class because she would just keep doing it. And it, I knew she didn't mean bad by it. I knew it was an accident, but, and that's something that I had to keep reminding myself. It was, you know, family. It was, 
they've called me this for 20 years almost so I have to give them time to get used to calling me something else but you know I was going back to the YouTube videos I'd, I'd watched his YouTube videos and you know, it got to the point where I was watching so many I began to sort of compare myself to these trans men and I'd be like right well I'm not there yet and that's not fair it's like I was just constantly making myself jealous and angry that I wasn't there yet but yeah it was um and that's when I sort of began thinking as well well maybe I don't want to there anymore I can imagine the mental pressures and everything yeah. you know over that length of time you know what a, a lot of our listeners probably are, are, are not aware is, is um there will be many studies into the relationship with uh, mental health and suicide particularly in the transgender uh, population i know one study conducted by the charity stonewall in 2018 suggested that almost half of the people who identified as as transgender had thought about taking their own life in that past year what needs to be done to to change that I, I do think it just it there needs to be the help like immediately you can't you can't just put people on waiting lists I think it just there needs to be a lot I, I know they are trying to do it like I went I went to a trans meetup locally recently and that blew my mind again no trans there was one trans one there but that's another story but there are now trying to implement trans clinics around the UK and it's not just London which is where I at I ended up going private because I, I couldn't wait Mm -hmm. um but yeah they just need to get the ball rolling down it's slowly happening i think but just well that's um, encouraging to see and again you know um we maybe don't have time to go into depth today but language plays a big part in this you you talked about your lecturer and and you know i'm sure there's many other examples of language that that really needs to to change and, and i suppose that's an education process as well isn't it oh yeah yeah 100 like what what i would say to anyone who is you know concerned about if they meet if they come across a trans person in the workplace or anywhere and they are afraid to address them in the correct way there, there's never going to be, it's never going to be wrong to just ask someone politely, you know, it's like saying, if I didn't know your name was Steve now, I wouldn't come up to you and say, hi, Jake, you know, I would ask you for your name first. So that's what I'm trying to sort of get people to do is I'll say, right, ask someone for their pronouns, pronouns, meaning, are they him? Are they her? Are they they? You know, it's, it's just quite simple. Hi, my name is George. My pronouns are he, him. That's it. And you know, and that's a real education piece for people like us that go, yeah. really, is it, you know, it, you know, I, you know, be, be really honest and say, mm -hmm. you know, this, this is, um, uh, it's not difficult. It's not difficult at all. But no, it's, yeah. it's something we have to, you know, be very conscious of. And I think, you know, you just shared it brilliantly. Yeah, George, one of the, one of the pieces of language that, that, you know, people use and possibly don't understand is transition. Um, so it's referred to as transitioning, gender transition. And, Having worked in change management <laughs> sort of professionally, we talk about transitional change and we talk about transformational change, right? To a lot of people on the outside, they see what you're going through perhaps as a transformation. Um, but I know, you know, from, from listening to you previously, it's very much a long-term transition, isn't it, what you're going through? With with me now, as a, as a trans man, I every three months I have to take testosterone for the rest of my life. I get people, you know, even the nurses who do it will say, oh, how long are you on this for? I'm like, <laughs> doing it for the rest of my life. I always have a new story. I'll, I'll just pretend something every time. Um, and yeah, so I have to set up the rest of my life. Um, and when it comes to transitioning, like you said, people don't understand it. I get people coming up to me all the time. And the, the classic question to all trans people is, have you had the surgery? At this point, I just say, what surgery? 
to make them feel uncomfortable because they're making me feel uncomfortable. If you ask a trans person that, you it you wouldn't go up to a stranger and ask what is in their pants, no matter what gender they are. It's just weird. Okay. When you really think about what you're asking, it's weird. Transitioning isn't just physical transitioning. There are trans people that I've met that are quite happy not taking hormones. And there's a there's a trans man that I've seen that he's had top surgery. He does not take testosterone. So he's he still has the quote unquote feminine voice, the feminine features, everything's quite soft, no facial hair. And he's happy like that. That's him done. That's his transition complete. If he decides in 50 years, do you know what? No, I do want to go on testosterone. That's up to him. You know, it's his life, isn't it? So transitioning is completely different for every trans person. It also raises the question on the flip side, to what extent is a transition or a transformation for other people, you know, learning about this? It's almost sometimes there's an implication that you know you go to a talk or a training course and that's it you've learned all there is to learn about trans people so clearly it's a journey that other people need to go on as well to keep learning about it and by the sound of it medical professionals psychologists psychiatrists as well perhaps i wonder george what how supportive were your friends and family when you were sort of making these decisions and you know did you have that support around you to help you through it you you know you weren't getting that professional support that you necessarily needed but did you feel you had sort of that internal support yeah so my friends were supportive from the start obviously again they would slip up with the name or the pronouns but again it's kind of inevitable my my family was for the most part but they really did struggle you know Mm -hmm. um my dad specifically traditional Welsh rugby man you know um he, he didn't get it at all you know he he back then didn't understand any LGBT thing at all um they were just really upset because you know and my mum describes it as this and this really really hit me um she described it as she lost her daughter but she gained a son so her daughter died you know, and she was mourning that loss for a long, long time. And I didn't understand that for a long, long time. And um, going back to, you know, how I was just in the fight or flight mode. Um, I heard a lot of parents sort of describe it as that, which is obviously... Yeah, I'll just touch on where it did get really dark. Um, was when, this is when it hit my parents the most, is when I came home one day from uni and um, I was I was just trying to get their attention I wasn't in a right headspace at all. I just was completely lost, helpless. I was desperate at this point. And I decided, I, I, I don't know what it was. I, I just, I was crying to them about obviously how I felt. They understood what I was crying about. I wanted to get help. I wanted to start hormones. I wanted to have top surgery. I just needed it now. Can they help me, please? I was really upset. I left the house sort of like, you know, in a mood with them to the point where I think the last words I said was, you know, I'd rather be dead so that they knew it was very heavy and I've just left the house. So they had every right to be concerned with what I was going to do because I never left the house without saying anything. Um, and I went to the field and I found this like old, like, like little rusty piece of metal. And I just started, you know, harming myself very, not aggressively, but just enough to sort of make myself, I guess, feel something. Because that's what people used to say to me is, oh, well, I do it because I make myself feel something. And I didn't get that from my experience. I just sort of, for me, it was more of like a a desperation of, well, if I do this and my mum sees it, she'll realise how how severe and serious I am, which, you know, looking back, I wish I didn't do that, but that's how I felt at that time. 
And, you know, she saw my arm and she burst out crying. And that's when it really hit her that she can't just sit here and watch anymore. And, you know, she brought my dad in the room and said, we can't do this anymore. Look at him. He's, he's struggling. So it was really heavy. You know, just we were all crying. You know, I, I kept just saying to them, I just don't want to live anymore. I would rather be dead right now than live another day in a body that I'm uncomfortable with. Let's take a break now. And uh, before we do, George, you've you've chosen today's playlist. We've been playing some of your uh, songs already. And the track we're going to play now is um, called I Lived by One Republic. Tell us a little bit about this choice. Yeah, so this song is just sort of very, it's a band I used to listen to as a teenager. And this song came out, you know, when I was, I think, transitioning myself. So just hearing the lyrics, it just gave me a sense of sort of hope for the future. And it just, it really hit me in the heartstrings it's just a lovely song oh fantastic song well let's take a listen to it now and we'll be uh, right back after this get your favorite song on the radio contact us now now would you like your favorite song played on the radio your song could be from the 70s 80s 90s or even the noughties we'd love to play your song right here on yawa radio how do you do it? It is so simple. All you need to do is email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. That's studio at yawaradio.co.uk. Just let us know your name, let us know the name of the song, and we could be playing your favourite song right here on Yawa Radio. Studio at yawaradio.co.uk. Get your favourite song on the radio. Contact us now. Welcome back. George, look, um, you've, you've talked a couple of times about your relationship. Um, and I hope it's okay to mention her name, but uh, you, you've, you've mentioned you're in a, a relationship with a lovely lady called Vri. I've seen your photographs. Uh, <laughs> they're a fantastic uh, couple. Um, I do understand um, uh, kind of when you when you first had your eye on Vri, you, you were thinking you might be punching above your weight a little bit. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, hundred percent. And like, it's weird because I, I, I'd never felt like I'd ever have a girlfriend that you know, well, now fiance. That just, I don't know. To me, she was, and she's probably in the next room listening to me. But mm. to me, it's like when I first saw her, I thought I will. It's like looking at a dream person, you know, like a, a girl you see in a magazine. You're like, if only, you know, type of thing. But it, it's, and then I learned about her, and it just became like. Who are what were you made for me? It's weird. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. No, that's that's really, really exciting. Now, you describe yourself as a trans activist uh, on your LinkedIn profile. Tell us a little bit about what that involves for you. What what is what is your mission as you you see it there? Yeah. So I mean, like you said very early on, is I posted on LinkedIn last year. It was never my plan to become a trans activist. I I kind of, you know, if you asked me five years ago, I wanted to live as stealth, which is stealth meaning if someone who's trans, they they live completely in secret. No one knows they're trans and they just live as themselves. That was kind of where I was going to go with my life. Um, but to me, I just wanted to start talking about these topics that I did find really infuriating that no one was talking about. And specifically in the workplace, which is why I posted on LinkedIn, a place where you do talk about work. And, you know, I, I wanted to share my story so that future employers or, you know, anybody, you know, could be, if that if it's a CEO and they see my post, they might learn something. I just wanted one person to learn something and be like, okay, 
I'll take that information going forward. Maybe it'll help somebody that I know down the line. I did not know it would help nearly, you know, 7 million people. Mind blown. So that's when I decided, right, this is the path that I want to go down. I wanted to go to like schools locally and, and do talks or colleges or universities. But then this happened. I thought I have to do it now. Like today, I'm, I have the privilege of speaking to you all. And, you know, I've had a few companies approach me and, and pay for me to talk to them. It, it's if I told myself 10 years ago that you're going to be doing this in 10 years, I would have been like, shut up. That's a joke. It's, it's just, you know, trying to get the message out there of trans people I mean, my messages. Trans people are out there. You will pass them on the street. You won't never know. Um, you can't always tell, like people seem to think you can. Um, and we live normal lives. You know, I have, I have bought a house. I have a partner. I have a stepdaughter. I have a dog. I have a job. You know, it, it's normal things. It's not like I'm juggling in a circus act 24-7. You know, I'm not this foreign object. So that's kind of the message I want to give. And also to to young people who, like my, like me 10 years ago, who were struggling. You know, I, I want there to be a place for them when they... So my stepdaughter, she's 10. And as far as I'm aware, she's comfortable with her gender identity. But, you know, she's 10. I don't know. But what I want in the future is for her generation specifically and, you know, younger ones, whatever, is when they go and start looking for jobs, that the employers will just immediately be on the ball of, right, okay, if they are trans or whatever, they'll immediately be open-minded or just supportive in a way. Because, you know, the reason I joined the company where I work now is, a quick browse to their Instagram, saw they posted something about pride. And I thought, well, that'll do enough. They've got something there, um, which isn't enough, but that's all it took for me. So if, you know. Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, we talk a lot about what needs to change within communities, what needs to yeah. change within organizations. And, and I've said this time and time again, there are a lot of young people out there right now that will research your company and make a decision whether they want to join your company oh, yes. long before you ever decide whether they're going to be the right person for you you know, to come and work with you. And just something I want to add to what you've just said, really. And look, we know that suicide is the biggest killer of young people under 35. It's what our mission is, you know, the Jordan legacy to, uh, you know, make an impact there. We know the reasons why people choose to end their life are often complex, isolation, sense of feeling different, stigma, all these things, you yeah. know, can play a role. Given your experiences today, what, what would your message be to any young person listening today who had reached that dark point, as you described, um, and maybe looking at ending their life as an option because they just didn't feel they fit in or conform to society's expectations. Yeah. Uh, what I would say is now, thankfully, there are so many resources out there to, you know, for support so you don't feel alone. One thing that I the first discovered, you know, again, later on when I was trying to find things and it just didn't exist yet. What came to existence was a Facebook group of trans men and, you know, all my age and messaging and, and just having those connectors, having those friends and knowing you're not alone. It was just so nice. So, you know, there's there's loads of resources out there now, you know, YouTube channels, like I said before, many different trans men talking about their, their experiences. When I was on it 10 years ago, there was just maybe like two or three Americans, you know, whereas now there's British trans men who are like from Wales and it's, you know, there's all sorts out there now. It's it's never, ever think you're alone with it because, you know, you see trans people in the media now. It's it's becoming very aware that we exist, thank God. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would just say is 
do your research. There are things that you're not. Yeah, and, and that's a really ho- hopeful uh, comment. Um, George, when I was listening to your story, one thing which which really kind of challenged me, made me think a lot, was you talked about how uh, when you were living as a girl, as a woman, you used to cry a lot, you used to cry a hell of a lot, cry at the slightest yeah. thing you said. And then after the hormone treatment, you stopped crying. And, and that was challenging on two levels. One is that, you know, I mean, is, is that because of, you know, the physical effects or is that that you're happy now and, you know, you don't <laughs> cry, have, have <laughs> reasons to cry, but it also yeah. challenged because we, we often say, we often encourage men to show their emotions and yeah. encourage men to cry. So I found it quite odd that one of the effects potentially of the hormones is it stops you crying. Yeah. Oh God, no, it does. It's it's weird. If you ask a trans woman, they'll say that you can't stop crying because, and I hate it. Like I, I miss crying because it's such a release of emotion. And my partner, she gets annoyed when I can't cry. <laughs> she's like, why can't you cry? Um, we've been together six years and I think she's seen me cry maybe three times, twice. At a, I don't know. Um, so yeah, you know, before testosterone, I would cry at anything. It's really weird. It's not that I don't want to. I am all for men crying. I bloody wish I could cry, but I just can't. <laughs> George, um, we, as I say, we could have carried on talking for hours here. Um, I really want to thank you for for sharing with us. Uh, I think people are going to get a lot from from this, and hopefully, we can help uh, with your mission to 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 educate um, as far as uh, transgender is is concerned. Before we go to the break and let you go. Um, I want to talk about the next song choice you've got. Um, you sent it through. It's one I hadn't heard before, so I went yeah. in and watched the YouTube video and and I'm just blown away by this song. It, it's called You'd Never Know um, by an artist uh, called Blue Eyes. Uh, tell us a little bit about this and for anyone listening who's not familiar with Blue Eyes. Yeah, so uh, Blue Eyes is a female artist um, and I came across her on TikTok of all places. And um, my fa- one of my favorite bands is the 1975, and it came into my sort of TikTok algorithm feed. And because she sings a lot of songs in a style of the 1975, and it was like the 1975 cross with Taylor Swift. If they had a song together, this is what it would be. So, and she was singing it, and it was just really powerful. And you know, you'll hear it in a minute, but it just, it really. If I heard that 10 years ago, I would have been crying my eyes out and being like, oh, my God, someone understands. But it's just the way she articulates her feelings. It's so spot on with how a lot of us feel in the world. And hopefully she'll become a really big artist because, yeah, just listen to the song. It's amazing. I love it. Hello, Yawa Radio listeners. Steve Gamlin here, host of the Motivational Firewood Hour with brand new episodes each Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 7 p.m. UK time and bonus replays on the days in between. Look forward to having you as part of a future episode very soon. Please keep on listening to Yawa Radio. Welcome back. Well, Danny, Paul, uh, I've got to say that conversation with George, I left feeling hugely energized and inspired. Um, Paul, what were some of the things you took away from uh, our conversation with George? Yeah, I, I was really inspired by it as well and, and found it very enlightening. I think that one of the key messages there is that people fear things they don't understand. So people who are going through changes that they themselves internally can't work out, you know, have this fear of what's going on and that leads to mental health issues. And then also people externally, you know, fear the unknown 
and clearly with trans issues, it's it's a really difficult area at the moment. And there's a lot of stuff on in the news and social media, and it's often comments from people that don't really understand uh, the issues. I think George has a really remarkable way of summarising, you know, what that you know, what these issues are, what the experience is, and obviously it's from his experience as a trans man, but just really outlining some of the issues in just a beautifully simple and and clear way. And I think. He's going to be a great educator. He's going to be great for for people to to have that learning. The other key thing, you know, I was very positive. I found the whole thing really positive. The one negative that was just gnawing away at me was that, um, you know, he talked, which is brilliant. He talked about his parents being supportive. He talked about having support around him, supportive girlfriend. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are experiencing these issues who don't have that support. I know trans people who haven't had support from their parents and gay people who haven't had support from their parents. So we, we need to think about those people who, who haven't had that kind of support and the, you know, the, the problems they will experience. In, in fact, for anyone looking for help and support and guidance um, around uh, any issues uh, relating to transgender, uh, you'll be able to go to our help and resources page on the jordanlegacy.com website uh, where we have a specific section around transgender. Uh, Danny, what were some of the things that uh, you took away? Yeah, I think he's a just a really inspirational person. And aside from the struggles he faced, you know, during his transitioning, and you know, he had mental health struggles prior to this, which were then made worse by the poor professional support he received. Um, he's been on a really difficult journey, but he's come out the other side, and he's living the life he wants to now, and as the person he wants to be. And I think it's a really important message, especially for young people, about being staying true to who you are and living a life that makes you happy. Um, and I think it also kind of um, highlighted the importance of, of there being more awareness, inclusivity and, and better support in place for people that may be experiencing similar to what George has been through himself. I think one of the things that, that I took away, I think from an education point of view, you know, what, what did I learn specifically? I think when, when George talked about um, the process of transition that it, that it isn't the same for everyone um you know i don't know about 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 you paul but but i you know of a certain generation here i suppose we're talking i i assumed that it meant that um everyone would go through some form of surgery and, and that yeah. was really interesting for me to to hear george yeah. say that it's what's right for the individual and it doesn't always include surgery for example yeah absolutely and and it is about having respect for the individual uh, I, I worked with a trans woman back in 1990 in a big open plan office. And, uh, you know, the, I remember the conversations that took place there and the conversations that didn't take place there. Um, but, you know, each person has individual issues. Also, it's a transition. I think that was another key message. It's a transition. It's not uh, it's not some big transformation. So, again, I think that's association with surgery as well. People assume that you decide to change. You have the surgery, you change. And George is very good at outlining the realities of that ongoing transition, you know, a lifetime of testosterone um, treatments and um, uh, and adjusting. And, and you know, and, and obviously that includes the outside world transitioning and going on a journey as well, including the medical professionals that George referred to. And that was a real eye opener. Well, thank you, Paul. And thank you, Danny. And, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this edition of Jordan Space. Um, as always, I hope you found today's discussion interesting and insightful. And if you felt inspired to support our work to help prevent suicides at the Jordan Legacy, 
please do get in touch via our website, thejordanlegacy.com, or by emailing hello at thejordanlegacy.com. You can also engage with us on our social media by following the Jordan Legacy CIC's LinkedIn company page. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, using the username at Jordan Legacy UK. And of course, you can find us on Facebook under the Jordan Legacy as well. Uh, well, that's it for another show. Um, you can, of course, listen to recordings of this show um, and previous shows on our website by choosing the menu Jordan Space at the top of our homepage. For now, and from Danny, Paul and myself, we'd like to wish you a safe, healthy and above all, hopeful rest of your week. And we're going to leave you now with another track chosen by our guest this week, George Evans. This, this is, is Yawa Radio. Radio. A big thank you for taking the time out to listen to this podcast from the team at Yawa Radio. Remember to check us out live online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at yawaradio.co.uk. And if you'd like to join us as a guest on Yawa Radio or as a guest on the Yawa Radio podcast, we would love to hear from you. Simply email studio at yawaradio.co.uk. UK. Once again, a big thank you for taking the time out to listen. This is the Yawa Radio Podcast. Copyright applies. <laughs>